All right, get well. You're looking so good today. It's great to be gathered together to worship. Now, let me start off our time together with a quick announcement. I really want to highlight this. Uh, earlier today, Susanna reminded us and encouraged us to get registered for one of our eight-week equip classes. And one of the things that we're super excited about uh, with these eight-week blocks is that we've got a little break in between that we can be creative with and do some different things together. And one of the things we're going to try to do with those breaks is to highlight uh, one of our outreach efforts or highlight a missionary that we're connected with. So August 1st is going to be our first break in between classes. And we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to have some snacks and some coffee down at third place for you to just get to hang out with each other because that's been really hard to do over the last uh, 18 months. And so we just want you to connect and talk and, and, and just get to see each other and talk with each other again. And then in the hub at both 930 and 11 o'clock, we're going to have a, a friend of mine, a friend of Get Well church. His name is John Hugh Tate. In a few weeks from now, he and his family are going to be uprooting from Jackson, Mississippi and moving to Paris, France, where they're going to be planting a church. And sometimes we forget places like uh, England and France, even though it's a first world country, it's really a barren desert when it comes to the gospel. And he's going to have a lot of challenges and opposition there. And so we're praying for him and we want to try to connect and support with him. And he's going to be with us August 1st at 930 and 11 o'clock in the hub to share just what God's doing in his life and why he's going to France and what that's going to look like. Uh, so I encourage you to find one of those hours to be in worship and one of those hours to kind of connect. And if you got questions about a life group or a equip class, we can help you with that. And then go hear what John Hugh has to share about what's going to be happening in France. Because uh, there's no other competition that week. Our equipped classes are not meeting that week, and you got a chance to do that. So love for you to do that. Also, you can look around. Uh, this is, if you're new with this, this is not our normal setup. Uh, we are launching Vacation Bible School, and we are so very excited. It's been two years since we've been able to gather for Vacation Bible School, and we are, are pumped about seeing this room filled with uh, kids who are ready to have a good time, and we know that we're going to be able to share the gospel with them. And this whole week, we're going to be exploring how we can be confident. We can be confident because we are known by God. We can be confident uh, because we are accepted. We can be confident because we're forgiven. We can be confident because God can change us and we can be confident because we can make a difference. And I think what God is calling us to wrestle with this morning, it may be fitting as we launch this VBS, is that we can be confident because God has filled every single one of us with a purpose. Now, what's the definition of purpose? If you were to look up uh, Webster or anybody else, their de definition of purpose, you're going to find something along the lines of purpose is the reason that something or someone is created. Now, by the very definition of purpose, we need to understand that purpose is not self-generated. Purpose is given from its creator. And we spend so much time and energy trying to find purpose, trying to create purpose, when the reality is, by the definition, purpose can only be given from its creator. A car does not get to decide why it exists. A microwave does not get to decide what it's going to do and why it exists. And the very same way, you and I, we don't decide why we are given life. We are given a purpose with that life. But the truth is, is we look around in the world that we live in and our culture is just not driven by purpose. 
I mean, there's lots of things that drive our culture and how people live and why people live. We are driven often by things like pleasure or experiences, and we go from one experience to the next. Even our gathering as the church can kind of be reduced down to an experience, and I can grade it whether it was good or bad. All right, I like that or I didn't. Uh, we're often driven by a, a movement that's happening in the world and who gets to decide what the next movement is. It's the mob, it's the culture around us and it, we join in maybe by obligation or it might be fear, it might be excitement. Uh, we're, we're, you know, just, we find ourselves that we have to be a part of it or we're a part of you know, cancel culture or we're doing something wrong or we're not a part of God's justice if we don't join in. But the problem is not that there's a movement. We need to be a part of a movement. The problem is, is that when we let the culture decide what the movement is, it changes year after year after year. But God has a movement that has been from the very beginning of time. And God has a justice that we should be joining in on. Uh, sometimes we're driven not by an experience or a movement. Sometimes we're driven by just our deep desire for autonomy. We don't want anybody else to tell us what we are going to do or how to do it or why we do it. We want to decide and we want to be in control. Sometimes we're driven not by one of those things, but we're driven by just this deep desire to be accepted. And I'm just going to, I need to be a part of something. I need to be a part of a group and I'll do whatever it takes for me to be a part of that. But here's the thing, is that every single one of those falls short because they're not eternal, they're not lasting, uh, they're, they're not, they don't stand the, the test of time. That we have been given a purpose that is forever and it is significant and it is powerful. And we've been walking through the book of Acts through this series called Catalyst, looking at how God is a catalyst for life giving and life change. And we see in the life of the church through the whole book of Acts that they were driven by a deep sense of purpose. They weren't swayed back and forth by what was happening at that, that moment in time or, or what they wanted or how they felt or what their experience was. They were driven by an unchanging forever sense of God's plan and purpose in the world. We've been walking through, we saw how a guy named Paul uh, on his way to Damascus to persecute Jesus' followers met Jesus and Jesus calls out to him and he says, Paul, uh, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? And Paul's like, I don't know who you are. What, what are you talking about? And he says, I'm Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, and I'm going to give you a new purpose, Paul. You're going to live for me and you're going to tell people all over the known world about me. And so Paul goes back to his, his home in Antioch where he lands uh, this church there that knows him, that loves him. And they send him out, not on one missionary journey, not on two, but on three journeys to plant churches and tell people about Jesus and this wonderful thing that Jesus, the Son of God, has done, that God did for us what only God could do. And he set us free from sin and death. And on, after this third missionary journey, he's heading back to Jerusalem. He set his eyes on Jerusalem. That's where he wanted to be, where he felt like he needed to be and the Holy Spirit kept telling him when you get there you're going to be arrested you're going to be persecuted but he was willing to push through based on a sense of purpose having his eyes not on just Jerusalem but wanting to go to Rome he wants to share the gospel with Caesar he wants to share the gospel with the very center of the Roman Empire and ultimately he wants to go to Spain to the very far reaches of the known world at that time on his way back to Jerusalem he makes one quick pit stop 
And he stops uh, on the eastern shore of the, the Greek islands there in what's modern day Turkey. And he stops and he has a meeting with uh, some leaders from the church of Ephesus. And as he's meeting with these leaders of the church of Ephesus, he gives them one clear message. What he says to them, this final meeting that he has with them, he says, I want you to look at my life as an example of how you live your life. Look to me as together we look to follow Jesus. And what is it that I've done in my pursuit of Jesus because he has pursued me? I have lived for one thing and one thing only, and that is the purpose, the will, the plan, the message of Jesus. As I have done, I want you to do. Understand, accept, embrace, celebrate that God has given you one clear focus, purpose for your life to make Jesus known. That's where we pick up today. And what we're going to see, I hope, is that there are three really important reasons for you and I to embrace and celebrate that very same purpose. And then we're going to, at the end, we're going to explore what is it that God might be calling me, calling you to in our purpose. So we're going to pick up Acts chapter 20, if you have your Bibles. And we're picking up on this conversation that Paul has with the leaders of the church of Ephesus. Verse 18, this is what Paul says. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn in God, to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. So let's work backwards here for just a moment. What is Paul saying? Number one, he's saying that I have a purpose that has been given to me, which is that we all, no matter where you come from, no matter what you look like, no matter what people you belong to, that we all are to repent and turn to Jesus, trust that God did in and through Jesus what only God could do to set us free from sin and death. Let's turn to him. And he says, because of that purpose, I haven't backed down. I've continued to teach and preach and walk with you that you can know the love and the power of Jesus. Even in spite of what? In spite of tears and in the midst of severe testing. Why was it that Paul was able to press on with the mission to make Jesus known? It's because Paul understood this in his purpose. Purpose provides perseverance. Purpose provides perseverance. I can keep moving forward. I can keep pressing on. See, there's a great, great lie, a deception that our world has implanted deep in the heart of every person. It's that when I experience discomfort, I have to be discouraged. That problems are a reason for me to stop moving forward and shrink back. Now we've bought into this lie that life is supposed to be easy and life is supposed to be a straight line. And, and if I encounter problems, if I encounter pain, then I must be doing something wrong and I need to change directions. But what I'm here to tell you this morning is that sometimes experiencing pain may be a sign of something very right. The reason for that is that purpose often produces pain. Say it this way, pain is often a product of purpose. 
Now, why is that? Well, sometimes pain is a product of purpose because purpose will often call on us to change. All right, how many of us have ever experienced in the workplace, in family, in church, and your friends, when you realize a change needs to happen and you raise your hand and say, this needs to be different, people experience pain in that, right? Now, even when we call for change that people want, there's a grieving and letting go of what was and moving toward what could be because I have to leave what was behind. I got to let it go. Now, that's kind of the obvious, like when we ask people out there to change. But I think what we fail to talk about often is when God calls me to change. Right, that hurts, right? That, that's painful. I don't, I don't, God, the change is for them out there, uh, not for me. But God often calls me to change, and that hurts. And it is painful, but understand this. Sometimes the greatest boundary between us and what God wants to do in us is our insistence on avoiding pain. It might just be that God is calling us to go through the pain so that he can transform us because we get ourselves in a place where it's only God. God, I got nothing left. I'm desperate for you. You have to move. And he just might be calling us to move through it to call for change. Sometimes it's not the call for change. Sometimes it's just the very fact that we face opposition. That when we step into God's purpose for our lives and the world, there are just going to be some people that are not going to go along. There are going to be times where we face, face spiritual op, uh, opposition. There might be spiritual forces and, and, and demons and things at work in the world that we don't like to talk about and we get weirded out by. But it's true and that there's a spiritual uh, war happening in the world and we're going to face, face spiritual opposition at times. And what do we do in that moment? We hold on to God's truth. It becomes our sword. We fight with the truth and the power of God. We call upon Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. We lean into the Holy Spirit and we get on our knees and we pray for God to work. There's going to be other times where we face opposition from people. It may be by confusion. It may be they just don't understand. It may be by jealousy, but there are people in the world who are not going to go along with what God's calling us to do. And what do we do in that moment? Yes, we stand on truth. We hold to God's truth, but we embrace them with love and grace. Church, please hear this, that the people of God are the only people in the world throughout history or future to come who can, are able to hold truth and grace together. We can hold the unchanging, lasting truth of God and hold ourselves and others to it by, by simultaneously loving people and giving grace and mercy and, and walking with them, knowing that only the Spirit of God can bring the change in someone's heart. And so we hold those two together, never shrinking back, never backing down, not saying, oh, I'm going to just take the easy way. You know, sometimes we need to understand the easy way is not the right way. But we keep pressing on. Paul learned this. Now, what did he say? With great tears and with many trials. The Greek word for trials there in verse 19, chapter 20, verse 19 of the book of Acts, is the word parismon. It literally means to be tempted and tried. How many of us know and have experienced and been in that moment where things get painful, things get hard, and I'm tempted by that trial to go back to what was easy? 
I wonder how many times Paul was tempted in the midst of the trials and the difficulty to be like, man, I I'm done with this. I I I'm tired of getting uh, persecuted and beaten and arrested here in Thessalonica and here in Athens and, and here in Lystra and all these places. I'm going back to Antioch where they know and love me. They appreciate what I'm all about and what I'm doing. That would have been so tempting so many times. But what does he do? No, with, in the midst of tears, in the midst of trials, I keep living for the purpose that God's given me. And we can do the same. Why? Because what Paul understood is that we can understand is that we can clarify the mission and the purpose and the focus, the target, because we're leaning into what God has given. Look at what Paul writes starting in verse 22 about this. He says this. And now compelled by the Spirit, so he's continuing this conversation, but I've brought you the gospel, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, so it's hard, right? There's pain producing the purpose. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, and what is my purpose? My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task. Here's the target. Here's the bullseye. Here's the focus. Finish the task that who has given me? That the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. In the midst of it all, of all the pain, the hardship, the difficulty, even the distractions, I'm focusing in on my only aim, which is to finish the race, which is to tell you about Jesus, to teach you in the gospel. Here's what Paul understood is that purpose produces priority. It produces the priority for us in our lives. That there is a way, there is a litmus test of how to make decisions, how to walk through life, through the hard stuff. Because what we're going to find when we get into God's Word is that God's Word is not an index. It doesn't spell out every single decision of every moment of every day. What it does is it invites us into a relationship with God. It paints the picture for us of how to step into and receive salvation. But there are times where God has to lead us along the way. And one of the ways that God does that is, is keeping us focused on the purpose. One of the things that God's purpose will do for us is it'll filter out the options. In our world, we have endless information, endless opportunities, endless expectations, endless things that are vying for our attention, our resources, our time, our energy. And what God's purpose does is it gives us the target to filter out all the stuff. All the opportunities, the expectations, the things that we could do. And it says, here's our focus. There's something more than just making a list of here's all the good things about it. And here's all the bad things about it. But we can live for something greater. It'll also guide us in our decision making. That I'm going to put everything into purpose first. All the time, energy, resources, relationships, how I find rest, my focus, everything. I'm going to accomplish my purpose first and I can live freely living in that purpose, guiding me to that first and then whatever's left, I don't have to have a guilt about that. No, and in that vein, God's uh, purpose doesn't just give us filtering and guiding, but it gives us relief. That I don't have to have, number one, a guilt about what I say no to because I know I've said yes to something on purpose, with intention, with a goal in mind. 
Here's the other thing that it does. When I'm living for purpose, it frees me from the fear of missing out. How many of us ever suffer from FOMO, right? That fear of missing out. Like you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're on TikTok, and everybody's living their best life. And you're like, well, why can't I have that? Like, why can't I go to Fiji? Or like, why can't I go to Europe? Or, you know, we're good Christians. So it's like, why can't I like feed the hungry children in Africa? Like, you know, or whatever it might be. And we're like, we have this fear of missing out. But when we're living targeted on our purpose and we have a goal in mind, there's no fear of missing out because my life is full with what God's called me to do. If I'm focused on what God's given me, I've got no more time or energy to think about what you're doing. So here's what I've discovered at least about me. I know you guys have it all together, but I know for me, what happens is when I experience the fear of missing out what other people are going through and experiencing, it's because there's an emptiness in me left by the void of not living for my purpose. When I'm full with what God's called me to do, there's no more room for anything else. There's a freedom in that. A freedom in saying, here's why I am here. And Paul understood that freedom as well. Let's go back to the text one more time. Keep reading, pick back up in verse 24 through verse 27. This is what it says. So, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. And here's that purpose. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that who's given me? The Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about pre preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. He's saying, I'm heading to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. And then by God's will, I hope to be going to Rome, but I'm not coming back here. Therefore, he says, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you. Why? For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. What Paul is saying here is that I have a freedom in whatever the outcome may be because I haven't backed down in what God's called me to do. My part was to stay in step with God. God's part is to bring whatever may come. Paul is saying for the people in Ephesus, the same thing that he would say to you and me, the same thing that Jesus is calling us to wrestle with, is that we have a purpose that is given to us that only makes sense when it's wrapped up in the purpose of God. We spend so much time and energy trying to generate, trying to create our purpose, trying to write our own story when God is saying to us, I've written the greatest story that ever could be written. I sent my son Jesus to conquer sin and death and I'm calling you into it. What greater story could you ever have? And he's inviting us into to live into that. I mean, are we going to write a story better than that? Like, okay, I lived, made a bunch of money and retired well, or, you know, I, I had a lot of fun, or a lot of people like me. There's no greater story than the story of God that he's inviting us into. That last little section where Paul says, what I focused on is to make known to you the will of God. Your text might say uh, the purpose of God. The, the Greek word there is the word baule. And it literally means to be the whole will and purpose and plan. So what Paul is saying is, my purpose is wrapped up and only makes sense when it's connected to the whole will and purpose and plan of God. 
I didn't create it. I didn't write it. I didn't come up with it. That what's the greatest life is wrapped up in God's life. And there's a great, great freedom in that. To know that all I have to be responsible for is staying in step with God. That I watch what I do and how I, how I do it as I'm following God. There, there's only one word that God asks us to say. It's a three-letter word. It's the word yes. That as he calls out to us, we don't have to ask questions. There's no qualifiers. There's no what if. There's no, well, give me the plan. I need steps three, four, and five. No, Jesus calls to us. I want you to go. I want you to do. I want you to be. I want you to come. And my answer is Jesus, wherever you send me, wherever you call me, whatever the question, Jesus, the answer is yes, because I don't have to worry about the rest. I'm just with you because my purpose only makes sense when it's wrapped up in you. So what's your platform? That's one of the things we've been talking about this summer. What are your relationships? What do you have to work with? In that, how is God's question to you calling you to purpose? How do you say yes to God? I want to make you known at work. God, I want to make you known at school. God, I want you to be known in my neighborhood. God, I want to make you known on the baseball field or in the dance studio. God, I want to make you known in my family. God, I want to make you known in the grocery store. God, I want to make you known wherever I am because my purpose only makes sense when it's wrapped up in your purpose and you position me to live for your purpose. And I don't care what the outcome is. I'm not responsible for that. I'm responsible for my yes. And I just want to stay in step with you. So here's what happens when we say yes to Jesus. Uh, there's a power in our purpose. There is a, a freedom in our purpose. And there's significance in our purpose. That God is doing more than we could ever possibly imagine. So here's where I want to close this out today. As I want us to, to wrestle with what am I living for? At my work, at my school, in my neighborhood, what is it that I'm living for? And I want us to wrestle with, as we wrestle with God, I need you to speak to me a clarity around how I live out your purpose. I want us to wrestle with what that looks like. And I want to offer up three questions for us to reflect on this week. Here's the first. Am I driven by pleasure or purpose? Am I buying into the, the idea that problems are a reason to turn around and stop, that pain is a reason for me to, to take the easy way? No, pain is often a product of purpose. And I'm willing to step through it. What am I living for? Does my purpose stand the test of time? As I evaluate my life and where my money goes and my time goes and my thoughts go and my feelings go and my resources go, as I look at that and evaluate my life, do those things really matter after me? Because if they don't, it's no purpose at all. It's just self-preservation. If your thing, the things you're living for don't outlast you, there's something greater for you. Does it stand the test of time? And what is holding me back? As God calls me, to step forward. What's stopping me? Is it confusion, fear, pain? What's holding me back from my yes? Here's what I've discovered in my life with this attitude, this posture of saying yes to Jesus. One of two things are going to happen. Either we're going to say yes to Jesus and we're going to be so very glad that we did because Jesus was absolutely calling us to that and we're going to see God do something only God could do. Or there are going to be times in our life because we're human 
that we're going to take a step of faith and we're going to say, Jesus, I believe you're calling me to this and I'm going to say yes in it. And you may get to the other side and, and Jesus might be like, you know what, I wasn't really calling you to that. But because of God's grace and power and his sovereignty, he's going to say, because you chose to come to me with an act of faith, I'm going to redirect you to where I want you to be. That's God's faithfulness. Don't be held back by the questions, the fears, the doubts, the what ifs. Say your yes. So what I want to do, if you'll stand, we're going to close out with one final song. And like we do every week, I'm going to pray for you and pray for me that we can come to God with a yes and he'll bring clarity in our purpose that's wrapped up in his purpose. These altar rails are open if you'd like to come and pray. You can bring somebody with you, pray where you are. You guys at home can pray, grab, hold hands and pray with one another. You can write it down, speak it out. You can wave if you're here in the room, wave me or Hunter over to pray with you if you like, or you can just pray on your own. But I'm asking the, the Spirit of God to stir in our hearts right now. There, there's some of us who are living in the distractions, live, living in the fear, living in the obligation, and I want us to be set free from that to live for purpose, a lasting purpose. That we can step into the wild, what we're going to talk about next week, the wild, wild adventure of joining with God. Not an obligation, but an adventure that we could never dream of. So let's have the courage to say yes to Him. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. We celebrate you and thank you, God, for doing what only you could do. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and for calling us to join with you. God, I pray that right now as we close out in song and worship that your spirit is stirring our hearts. God, and there's somewhere where we need to say yes. There's somewhere where we need to step out of the shadows, out of the distractions, out of the fear, out of the control of the culture and step into the freedom of the Spirit and freedom to serve you and freedom for that, that one target of our lives, whether uh, it, whatever the platform is, work or home or our friendships or family, that we're living for that goal and bringing glory to you, God. That's, that's our heart's desire. So filter out and guide us and give us the freedom in you. God, we're, we're yours right now. Holy Spirit, come and do what you need to do. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.